Welcome back to Building a Fighter. Um, my name is Alex Friedman. I'm here with Austin Shane, as always. And uh, this week, we're just kind of doing a freestyle. We're just going to send it and let it fly. So, so Austin, how you been? How's your week? How's uh, how's everything treating you? It's good, dude. Just living the dream. Um, same thing, different week. Athletes coming through. Um, I think I've talked on here. I'm making a push right now towards not less athletes, but just diversifying my patient population a little bit mm-hmm. and just doing a little bit more healthcare. So a lot of marketing. We're making an app. So that's pretty uh, dope. Yeah. You get you guys don't know that yet. This is the breaking news, but we're making a building a fighter app um, for all of our. Get a, we're gonna get a national press release. So CNN already called me. Um, but so I've been communicating with our app developer a lot, um, and just seeing all the different stuff that he wants to throw in there and some of the ideas he has combined with some of the stuff that me and Alex have planned is, I think it's going to be a good mix for you guys. Um, I'm excited. um, The, the specs look fucking amazing. Yeah. It looks really sharp. The, the demo videos that he sent, I'm, I'm really excited for it, but, and I mean, this podcast will be coming out after. Uh, Austin Yokums, but you kind of hear about that a little on this. It's like we just want to, you know, break free, do building a fighter, make it ours, make it our own, and have some autonomy or not some, but more autonomy. As no, far like, as, dude, we were paying two hundred and fifty. I mean, all the different programming well, financial freedom comes. With yeah, that, you know, financial. We we're paying two fifty a month on programming software. <laughs> like, yeah. So I, it's a long time coming, but I, I really liked and I really. Um, admire like his sentiment of you know breaking free being your own entity this man and not really being a slave to anybody like that's you know part of the reason that i think we wrestled part of the reason that we're mixed martial artists is that we're we don't need to you know um back at anybody's call we don't need to you know bow down to anybody i feel like what you say all the time as far as being a self-starter being ambitious getting after doing your own i feel like that's a really true path to freedom versus you know, marching to others' orders, which is easier, sure. But well, it also mirrors why we started building a fighter too. Because like, what we've you've tried bridge, I think you've tried. We've done. We use True Coach predominantly. I've tried Coach RX for my clinic. I've tried Fizzy Track. I've tried all these different programming softwares, and I haven't found one that was able to do everything we needed it to do. We're literally making this app to do everything we need it to do. So we kind yeah. of fill. It's the same thing what we did at building a fighter, where we saw something. It's good, but we think we can make it better or suit our needs better. That's exactly what we're doing. And it's not going to be available for the mass like population. It's just going to be for me and Alex to start. And then it'll expand for our athletes. Then it'll expand out as we get more building a fighter coaches, but I'm excited because we get to add in train. We get to add in training load volume. We get to add in our schedule system. We have all these different things that we already have our assessments built in. They're already all there, but now it's going to be built into the platform to where it's just seamless. All they got to do is they open it up and it's already built in. It's not like it's uh, like patchwork which is what it is right now. Yeah. And, and you bring up a good point. Like we get to customize it to whatever, like one of the tabs we want is this, this workload um, tab because you're going to put in your entire training calendar into that. And then you can look at it almost just like a Google calendar and look at what training appointments you have and when they're color coded green, yellow, or red. And you can see almost your workload for the day, for the week. Um, and that's going to help you monitor your training and look at, you know, more, 
overtraining indicators or windows of recoverability, like that's going to be a tab in the app, which is like one of the major hurdles that we face with almost every MMA fighter. As far as talking about schedule, talking about overtraining, talking about what's optimal versus what you can do. Like, again, you can train three times a day. You can train pretty fucking hard the whole time, but are you really maximizing your gains? Are you optimizing your, your energy output? Are you, truly peaking or are you just you know skating by and surviving and doing what is expected or what you've already known so i'm excited about that piece of it i'm excited about the the workload talk we've been doing i feel like just bringing that topic up more and more often brings awareness to it but also helps us make sense of what's an effective volume load versus what's just expected well dude i've i've give i've had that talk online a few times now in person a lot of times i haven't had one athlete say oh man i wasn't training enough hmm. <laughs> I, I i've had every single athlete say oh wow i'm training so much and i'm like oh no wonder why you're tired you're overtraining you don't rest you don't recover you don't cause adaptation all you right. do is give yourself stimulus and stimulus is a good way to burn yourself out yeah and I mean, I, you don't have that conversation with people that don't train enough because you're having different conversations. You're having right. accountability yeah. conversations. You're having get off your ass conversations, which, you know, can be fun at times too. But um, I don't know. That's an interesting interplay. I feel like when you get to the highest level, it's like everybody wants to work hard, but you get to, to see some guys that really optimize their process and you get to see guys that like survive and have success despite their process. Yeah. Right. Like, and, and the, the true tragedy is, as everybody says, is when you see the guy that's like, could be a great, but is holding himself back because of his own beliefs or his own schedule or whatever. It's like, you just, you know, find a trusting hand, let it guide you and, and let's go off to the races. And that's, what's really frustrating. Yeah. It's, those are, those are the hardest talks to have is those types of talks because you know, no matter what, like you could typically, it's easy. It's pretty easy to show an overtrainer what's going wrong and get them to realize the error of what they're doing. Cause they see it all in words. Right. It's really hard to try to convince somebody that is under training that they're not doing enough right. into, until they figure it out from themselves. Nobody, nobody actually believes they're not doing enough. Then maybe they tell themselves that, but in reality, the people that are under training are telling themselves they're doing everything they possibly can. Those are the guys that go into the gym and say they want to be a world champ, but then blow off two practices a week. Well, yeah. And I had this stark realization and I remember this story pretty clearly. Um, I was home visiting, I think it was Thanksgiving. Um, I was at home and we had a big family gathering and one of my cousins, uh, was drafted the MLB. He was a big prospect as a pitcher and everything. And I was, you know, halfway complaining, halfway bitching. And I'm like, it's like, I can't get my time to go to do ice, ice baths after practice. Like when we get done with practice, the, the training room is already starting to close and they don't want to sit there for 20 minutes while I'm in the ice bath. So I got no way to ice bath. And, you know, he kind of looks at me. He's like, it's like, I hear that, but what the fuck is stopping you from getting three bags of ice from quick trip? putting it in your bathtub and ice bathing at home is like, there's a fucking way to do this, you know? And, and it it was a way to get it done. If you want to get it done. And it was one of those messages where it's like, I had the instant realization. It's like, shit, I'm being a bitch about this. You know, I'm, you know, exacerbating the problem rather than going out and finding a solution, which, you know, that's a pretty menial example, but I feel like that happens all too often in our world where I only see the obstacle. I don't see, um, the way forward. Uh, that I feel like most people. That's that's the more common version 
is you see the obstacle, not the way forward. Yeah. It takes, it takes, it's typically a special individual to just keep looking at the outcome and you don't, you try to just, you just overlook the obstacle, overlook the obstacle because the, the background is more important, but that's, that's, you got me thinking. Is that something that you can train into somebody or is that something that you're born with? I definitely think it's something that you train into somebody. It may be like train into is the wrong words, but like at least open somebody's eyes up to no, drill into their fucking skull. <laughs> Lobotomization. <laughs> um, I think a lot of what we talk about and a lot of things that we deem important or um, what we get our athletes to try and communicate across to our athletes has to do in the realm of awareness, you know, yeah. like, like yeah, a lot of times awareness. Yeah. And I think it back to when I was an athlete, I was just going like and one of my favorite things I even remember. I was just like, you know, coach is there to tell me what to do. All I have to do is what coach says and I have success. And I mean, you get pounded into that through um, relatively poor coaching in my opinion, but that's the, the general culture of sports. It's like, it's on the coach. Coach is going to tell me what to do. I should just, you know, be a good little soldier and march to that. And so that was my experience for a long time. But when I really had my eyes open a couple of different times in college, but like I became self-aware of what's going on. How do I feel? And it's like, you know, my fucking opinion and my feelings matter as an athlete, which uh, again, I'm sure preaching the choir and a lot of people know this already, but uh, it was a big realization to me uh, as I was going through college wrestling. It's like, well, you know, I have a vote and a say in this as well. So I should start to take action on that. And not in, and you see a lot of people do it in immature ways, right? They're talking back to coach. They're fucking off drills of practice. They're doing whatever they want. And that's almost a symptom of them feeling no autonomy in the process. Right. So it's like, Typically I don't know. It is. Yeah. I, I have no power here. I don't think I can do anything respectably. So I'm going to fuck this drill off because fuck coach, you know, where in reality, it's like, let's take a little more mature approach and say, and have a conversation with coach and help him understand where I want to put my influence in my own training. And as a mixed martial artist, that makes a lot of sense. And I think it's applied a lot better, but as a college athlete, as a high school athlete, as um, even some professional athletes on teams and organizations, like that can be one of the biggest hurdles, you know, because it's other people controlling your playing time, controlling your, your paycheck, controlling um, whatever you hold dear. I wonder if that's because that was something I learned early was like understanding like where you are in the training process and like you have to fight for yourself sometimes but i was such an unorthodox wrestler i was so different than everybody around me because i was scrambly i didn't i didn't want to hit the double leg when gomez wrestling all we did was fucking drill double legs yeah um and i had to kind of fit while i did have good coaching and i they created a good structure for my life and i owe gomez wrestling a lot i had to kind of figure out the technique on my own so i had to take it into my own hands a little bit and just make shit up and see what stuck and see what didn't. And because of that, it made me think more about like, yeah, fuck it. It's not, it's on me. Like, yeah. <laughs> like y'all can tell me whatever you want me to do. I'll, I'll do your, at the minimum of what you want me to do. But at the end of the day, it's on me and the way that I wrestle or the way that I compete is going to be what wins me this match. Not you. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. It's, it's weird. Cause when you were talking about that, I'm like, I feel like I learned that way earlier, but I think it's cause I had to do it myself. And I bet you there's a lot of like unorthodox, like you see like the, the not athlete, the non athletes that learn that they have to take it into their own hands a little bit earlier just to fit their personal needs. If they want to compete at a high level. Yeah. And that's hugely interesting what you say, because you figured out uh, that like your style and how you do thing, uh, how you do things and your feelings apply you learn that lesson early 
but we almost got to the same result where, you know, coach is going to tell you to drill double legs and you're going to fuck off the drill because you know that you're different, right? hundred percent. Like, and yeah. it's, again, it's the same result where the athlete and the coach are misaligned. And I think as I continue to like mentally process this live, as I think about it, it comes from like your sense of self and your strong or your weak sense of self, you know, like as I was coming up, I, you know, marched to a lot of people orders and I did what coach said. And I did exactly as they said. And I was a really good, you know, obedient athlete in that sense. I wasn't so good at doing my best or performing to my optimum that I could because I never applied myself to it. I never thought about my technique, my styles. Um, and I think, again, that becomes from a unawareness of myself where in your situation, you almost have like too much awareness of yourself. I know. To give in, to, I know you do, and to give into the system <laughs> and let that benefit you as well. You're like, nah, this shit's on me. I know what I'm going to do and I'm going to take it myself. Right. Versus be, yeah. finding the adequate balance of like, how can the system benefit me and me meet it in the middle? And like, you know, as you're growing up, as you're maturing through high school and college, like you can't expect anybody to to see that for what it is, or right. it's a very hard or tough ask, but well, no, it's, a stronger sense of self, I feel like can help. For sure. It, it can, but as you're saying it, it's like you didn't focus on your personal flair until later in your college career. I didn't focus on the basics until I was like a sophomore in college. Right. Yeah. Um, and you could see it in our wrestling styles. Like I was just so flowy and stuff like that. But then I, I've never hit a double leg in a competitive wrestling match. Not once in my life. Yeah. I, I think since the age of 10 through 21 is when I stopped competing. I never hit a double leg and it's because I had such poor form. Yeah. <laughs> I was really good at other shit, but I had such poor form on that one particular like blocky shot. That's the first thing you learn. And I just said, fuck you. Same with sprawls. I didn't sprawl. And I, it was just a glaring deficiency that I couldn't do it. Yeah. Um, but then it's cool to speak to a coach that can pull things out of you because that's where I met Ross Needham. And, and while I never got to where I wanted to, like from a competition standpoint, he was able to bring out of me all of these different basics. Yeah. And I, I see a lot of that in like the coaching process of, of being able to, to supply what the athlete needs, but as the athlete doesn't know they need it. right? Right. Like that, that, that's the true nuance of, that getting your athletes to perform on the next level is, is giving them what they need, whether they know it or not. And then, you know, even on the back end, like we don't always have to create awareness around everything. I've kind of flipped my stance on that as I, as I mature in coaching, like there's definitely times and places where you need to explain context and like tell your athlete, this is how your shoulder moves. And this is why we're doing this drill. Like there's times and places for that. There's other times and places is like, here's the fucking solution. You don't even need to know the problem. I'm not going to share with you what's going on. Do this drill. It's going to clean up. And it almost happens subconsciously. But it's that's kind of the magic of coaching right there. Um, as you were bringing up Needham, I was thinking of of there's almost one of the best things about great athletes. And we, and we always praise their ability to adapt, right? We praise yeah. their, their ability to continue to stay on top and change their game and even be the best at a different game. Right. I feel like that cycle of learning new skills, adapting your style and changing is, I wouldn't say undervalued, but undernoticed in every level of sports. Right. Because you talk about the changes we made when we got to college, it's those, some of those changes are super hard to accept because you're going to be worse before you're better. Mm -hmm. Right. And we see this in the weight room all the time. Like, I change your form on the squat, right? 
you're like, oh man, I could back squat 500 pounds, but my back hurts every time. Okay, let's correct your form. Let's change things, whatever. All right, let's hit the squat. But if I do it this way, I can only do 315, but your back doesn't fucking hurt. Like that's a hard pill for your ego to swallow. Fuck Same yeah. thing in wrestling. Like, you know, I was marching. Honestly, I, I was following my high school system for a long time and I, I got so good doing it or like I got to an adequate level enough to where I was winning some matches at college. I was doing this. Then when I tried to adapt and change to a different system, I didn't see as good results because I was new at that system and I wasn't as good at it. Right. And that ability to adapt a new system and then become super proficient in it in a short amount of time, I think is, is the pinnacle of what makes, you know, goats or greatest of all time athletes. Yeah. Well, it's a a fantastic example is Floyd Mayweather. Like when he was younger, he had the swag to him. He was, he would go out there. He, he'd knock, fuck, he'd knock people out. He was a hitter. Mm -hmm. And then you saw this evolution, like literally uh, a little bit past midway through his career where he went from pretty boy Floyd to money Mayweather, where he's not getting hit. He wants to stay pretty. Like he's just a better technical boxer than every other person on earth. And it sucks because like that evolution should be lauded. That, that should be. He went from, I, I'm a savage, I'm going to go in there, to I'm a seasoned veteran. I know exactly how to win the sport of boxing, and you have to respect my greatness. But so many people want the first one and are pissed yeah. that he turned into the second one. When in reality, that evolution in it of itself should be that should be the pinnacle of the sport. That should be what every young boxer wants, is to be able to talk when they're 50. <laughs> yeah. Like you, yeah, you, you want as little brain damage as possible. You want to go from the, the bruiser, the, the fucking, the, the young kid with the swag, the bruiser, the knockout artist to be able to end without getting touched. That should yeah. be the goal. And it's, yeah. it's almost shit on a hundred percent. And you see that present day and even more recent example is Israel Ashton, right? Like, you know, yeah. his, his yeah. last few fights, you can say they're boring or whatever, but like he's fighting to win and he's taking no damage and he's fucking staying on top, you know? And like he took a risk, he went up to 205 and this and that. And, um, but adapting within your career, I think it, it is a hugely undervalued, or like I said, undernoticed, not necessarily undervalued. Like we talk about adaptation all the time, but undernoticed task. Like you're going to try a new thing and you're going to be worse at it. You got to go through those. Uh, that turmoil and eventually trusting the process the fucking quote that i hate you become better (laughs) on the other side like um so it's an interesting process that every coach ever that doesn't want to get questions asked to them just says trust the process trust the fucking process but we talked about this on uh, i forget what podcast it was but it was like some coaching psychology podcast that uh i probably nerded out on and you didn't enjoy but, um, you know, that's also a cop-out for coaches. Yeah. Trust the process. All right. Well, if you suck, it's because you didn't execute or trust the process. And um, if you have success, it's because you trusted my fucking process right. and I'm a god. You yeah. know, it's like, it's like. When in reality, the... you should give them a reason to trust the process. Like, man. if yeah. they're asking you a I question, see. answer the fucking question. Because if you can't answer that question, why are they doing it? Yep. That's your relationship building. Even from a less of a technical standpoint, like you don't need to answer every, like, why are you doing this? But it's like, you know, build trust and create the relationship before you automatically say, trust the process, which 
gets hard when you're outnumbered so much as a coach, but yeah. it's legit. It's but legit. Again, it's it's not about just completing the job as being a coach. It's about trying to be the best coach you can be, or at least it should, because that's what your athletes are trying to do. Well, so. yeah, yeah, and again, do your fucking job, like, and don't just do it. Be good at it. Like, <laughs> it's not it's not enough just to get through this shit. And that's where it's hard to draw the line in the sand. Um, as far as like being a good coach, cause it's so ambiguous, so ambiguous. Like you can point to results and this and that. And like, it's hard because some athletes like in spite of versus because of. Mm-hmm. it's cool. My, uh, one of my buddies owns a tactical company. Um, and I was talking to him today at the clinic and he, he was mentioning how, or actually I was mentioning to him because I tagged him in a post recently and I got like six responses of people that have gone to his courses and taken them and have had fantastic results. Like they just responded to the story. It's probably the most responded to story I've ever had for Warrior Mm. Sports Wellness. And it was about this, this guy. Um, and he, his quote was just, he said, uh, it's, it's the old, he said, it's the old quote of if somebody gives you $1, you give them $3 worth of service that that should be, that should be the coach. If somebody's going to give you $1, you should go above and beyond because no matter what, you know, you tried your hardest and you tried to get that kid or that person or that adult to their goals. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I I definitely believe in that as far as delivering a quality service because, you know, and to be honest and like looking at it from our end too, like paying for our coaching service is not cheap. No. You know, you know, building a fighter is the cheapest version and the cheapest variable that yeah. we have. Building but, fighters cheap. <laughs> right. But you pay for your services at Warrior Sports Wellness in person. Yeah. You pay for sessions with me at Land Out Performance. It's like, that's just not cheap. So you better deliver on your service and, and keep it quality. And, you know, I don't know. The best way that I found to do that is to prepare. Yeah. I did want to touch on though, you mentioned the tactical guy and like, this just makes me think of of a couple different coaches in my life. It's like, it's hard to nail down what they got or if they're like, or what it is, but like, you can obviously see the coach that's like in it, you know, the coach that has that right atmosphere, has the right intensity and like, is genuinely building the system around his, his project or his uh, Magna Carta. Like you can see when somebody's fucking in it. And then on the flip side too, you can see when somebody's full of shit. Like that's one of the first things I learned as an intern, uh, because everybody says, fake it till you make, you know, say it with confidence, bullshit like this. And that it's like, say it with your chest. Fucking athletes have some of the biggest and best bullshit radars of anybody, especially combat sports athletes, because there's zero hiding, you know, from your opponent. Like, we talk about hiding in uh in goes and shit. You can hide from yourself and shit, you can do nothing. But once you get hands on your opponent, you can tell exactly what type of temperament. Yeah, they have. you knew if they trained or they didn't. You right. grab some dude that never wrestled before and they're supposed to be a wrestler. Oh. And you're like, all right, we're going through paper here. <laughs> but but on the flip side, like somebody comes at you and you're like, Oh fuck, this guy's prepared. You know, and that's where you can meet him, and that's where in the UFC we see the different um like variables of how matches go. It's like, is this guy going to step up? He's getting a little overwhelmed right now versus like, all right, that guy's folding. And um, I've gained a really big appreciation. I'm interested to hear this from uh, you and what you see, Austin. But like, as I watch the UFC and as I've started striking and practicing a little more uh, MMA with my, with the factory X team, I can see when guys choose to quit versus, Oh yeah. hundred percent versus get TKO'd or get um, knocked out or, you know, get submitted like half the submissions, you know, you may as well tap before they get a choke. Yeah. So, but uh, I was wondering like how you delineate that or if you see that 
often with guys like when they decide oh, to yeah. play versus actually lose. Yeah, you can pick up on it immediately if if you're around the sport enough. You can tell in a position like if somebody taps to a rear naked choke, get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. Like like uh, our coach says it all the time and he, he just jokes around me saying it. I'm joking. Please don't just go unconscious, like try to fight. But <laughs> but he says it all the time. He's like, I'd rather go unconscious than tap to a rear naked choke. That's not going to do any harm to me. That's I'm just going to be out cold for a couple seconds. Yeah. So you also see it in the striking battles. Like you can see it in somebody's eyes. But then, sorry, I'm, I'm wavering. It's hard to see. I take it back. I take it all back based off of last weekend with Leon Edwards. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That was fucking nuts. Because I keep, I have all these things and I'm like, it works for 99%. But I thought Leon Edwards was going to quit on the fucking stool at the beginning of the fifth round. And he goes out there and head kick KOs him. That's fair. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And like all the more credit to him. Or I even think of, and this is like a very familiarity bias, but like Cody Brundage in his first year or his second UFC fight, he was getting struck up a storm and then he just weathers it weathers it and it looks like he, he's got it. he's completely covered up he's halfway bent over you know it looks like the ref's gonna step in at any minute and wave it off and then the other guy shoots there's some space or whatever jumps guillotine and gets a submission jumps like, gilly literally came from the you know graveyard but um i go back and forth because Who i can see that it. one um i can't remember he just fought again too uh i'm not gonna embarrass myself figure it out but you can google it there you go already doing it i go back and forth because you can see when guys decide to quit in a tko or when they just cover up and and come down but you also cannot feel what they're feeling like they're getting substantially fucked up you know and so to criticize somebody for going down or to criticize somebody for for quote-unquote quitting during the fight is really hard to do because they're the man in the arena and i think they get respect and credit for being the man in the arena period for sure well it's it's that's the hardest thing to do outside of risking your life in the military probably in the world is having the fucking nuts or the lady nuts to step into that cage with another trained assassin right in front of you that you know wants to hurt you yeah in front of what probably i mean at some points in time millions of people yeah very true <laughs> like that's very fucking true. crazy i don't want to do it yeah, and I feel like the general public doesn't, and again, they may not have had that experience ever when they were the per one person out there, but like, you know, shit at a local show, stepping out in front of 50 people, there's yeah. a lot of pressure there too. Like, you, yeah. like there's no, you are, have all the pressure on your shoulder and don't let anybody fool you for a second. They fucking feel it. Every combat sports athlete that steps out there by themselves to win or lose feels it. Now mm-hmm. it becomes familiar to some people and some people get a lot better at handling it. But it's fucking there, man. That pressure is always there. Yeah. And it always should be. If it's not, then then there's uh, some going on from commitment or passion. Level. Dude, but, it could be in a room of you and another person. Like It could be a room of three people. You're just in yeah. front of one other person. But if you step into a cage and they lock the doors, there's somebody across the ring from you that wants to hurt you. There should there should always be a sense of fear. There should always be a sense of like, oh, fuck, I'm about to get into a fist fight. And that shouldn't be a normal thing. <laughs> right. Yeah, booty fight. Did you look it up? Uh, yeah, he it was uh Dalton or Dalka Lungiambula. Yep, I knew it was an L for the last name, but I did not want to try it. I guess. Yeah, and then just knocked out Treshawn Gore, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. your other teammate is gonna be fighting. Yeah, 
So no. I feel, I feel so, good about that one now. <laughs> that's uh that's not a smart move for by Mr. Mr. Gore. Oh, right so. back to the same gym that just knocked you out. I'm cool with it. <laughs> but no, Factory X, speaking of Factory X, and this is besides the fact that I'm on the team at Factory X or on the support staff, but Factory X is a fucking lights out year, bro. Yeah, you guys are crushing it. You're talking that's like, gym of the year numbers. Like three or four 50k bonuses. Yeah. Um, I think the gym record is sitting at like, and I'm sure I'm fucking jinxing it by saying all this shit, but the gym record is like 18 and two. We just won't year. release this podcast. Right. The gym record is like fucking 18 and two. It's, uh, it's been a good year thus far. We got a good push of fights coming, um, late September, mid October. So that'll be a good. Another run of tests, but yeah, fuck yeah. Priority's done. Okay. I did see one of our guys. I mean, the dude that's lit up the world. He's now, he's now probably most, most exciting fighter at the gym. I'd say Jonathan Pierce. Yeah. Um, I just, I love the way he fights. It's gritty, but he's mm-hmm. fighting Darren Elkins. I saw. Oh, so that, God, that's, that's a high profile fight. I like that. It goddamn bloodbath, dude. Yeah, that's gonna be fucking crazy. Yeah, um, Jesus and I'm not, I'm not launching this news. I saw it on on his Instagram, so that's nice. Um, but that'll be a good fucking fight. Vanessa's fighting again. Um, oh, dude, Mark Madsen and Dracar close in the grudge match of people that have left Fight Ready and are currently at Fight Ready. That'll be uh, that'll be a fight. That'll be a good test for Madsen. Madsen has had a uh, winding road. And his upcoming UFC. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, I like, I love both dudes. So that's uh, still undefeated in the UFC, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. Cause Vince was his last fight. We didn't like that one. Ouch. We didn't like that one. <laughs> so let the record show. Yeah. Let the record show that some of the fucking judging <laughs> in mixed martial arts has been goddamn. There's been atrocious. some weird judges. I, I cannot blame Again, you there. One of my guys, Yusuf Salah, on his last fight, like he showed out. Um, and I, again, I don't agree with the, the draw that they picked, but fuck. No. Only going to get better, hopefully. The more popular the sport gets, the more educated fans, the more educated fans, hopefully the more educated judges. And I think it'll, I think it'll start getting better. But we yeah, have been think... saying that for about 10 years now, <laughs> and it is still probably just as bad. So, uh, the, the one of the best things about mixed martial arts is also one of the worst things is that the people at the top or the people involved are very few and select. Yeah. So that offers a lot of consistency and a lot of authenticity. Uh, authenticity, but it also doesn't leave a whole lot of room for innovation. Correct. Yeah. You know, so like, like even like you love what the PFL is doing. Like that's a dope yeah. ass organization. It's, inter- it's interesting. I don't that's like cool... the I don't like the great fighter grades. At the end, yeah, that's weird. And I'm not some a fan of, the of that. That they show are weird, yeah. but I'm talking about like the format of yeah. their tournament. the The actual fights that they've had have been good fights. Um, and the ultimate point is they still don't hold a candle to the UFC. Dude, yeah. I'd love to see a, and I have no idea how to work it out, but some dude with more money than me and that is smarter, please work this out. I'd love hmm. to see a team format of MMA. I don't know how you can do it. I don't know how it would be profitable. But I think that would a provide because then everybody would be employees, yada, yada. So it'd be like it would be a better pay structure and like you'd have insurance. It would just be better overall for the fighters. But then also, I think if you can get like you see what what people do for like the Bears in Chicago, you see like what the people do for like the Cardinals down here. I think if you can get that around an area kind of similar to like how like Ireland like votes for Connor so much. And all these different countries, China with Wei Li, 
I think in the U.S. the way to make it more popular because everybody's from the U.S. Like yeah. like eighty percent of the UFC is from the U.S. The way to make it more popular would be to have it from a city to city basis and have people wrapped around a city, not just one individual person. Yeah, one way I think that could that could be done a little more practically is like uh, I don't know how the team aspect would work, but you could almost look at it almost like a wrestling duel where you're gonna have your fight and you can have your individual rise to the ufc belt right but you could score like team points for your region or team points for your your organization or whatever so mm-hmm. i think that that could be a cool thing um or a cool way to structure it and then there's there's obviously going to be your your standout champs and they're still their own entity but yeah. then there's also at the end of every year going to be you know maybe down to the wire last fight on the december card you know who wins this fight wins the the UFC team champion or the team belt yeah. or whatever that be yeah that would that would be pretty cool i think like i said i think that would be a way forward in mma i have no idea how to make it happen I like your idea. Um, I'm just not smart enough to think about that. So somebody smarter than me, figure that shit out. Cause I think I would like to watch it <laughs> yeah. or have a team. Hopefully building a fighter does well enough that we could just have a building a fighter team. Nope. That's the, that's on the agenda. Yeah. I also don't know how that would work because of private gyms. Cause they'd have to leave the gym and go to the team to train, yada, yada. Yeah, or or private gyms shut down because then they wouldn't have to be an entrepreneur and they just want to be a coach. And then they would just work for a salary. I mean, well, I mean, yeah, I don't know that every coach would want to do that, but no, I know, but some, and you that's know, been the would. challenge in the UFC forever and always, you know, each fighter is their own independent business, right? Like yeah. uh, I'm not willing to concess my, uh, training paradigm that maybe i've spent years cultivating at a gym mm-hmm. with a coach with my team whatever i don't want to put that in jeopardy or change that because you have a fancy new team idea yeah you know? but you could say the same thing about fucking peewee football like it's the same thing if you started wrestling when you were six like this is the same thing if a football player said i've been doing this through my whole high school system so they refuse to change when they go to alabama with nick saban like i i heard this so i, I used to work with fast people i worked with some track runners and I heard this argument back and forth with the fastest 100 meter on the team. He did this toe drag off of his start. And the coach kept saying, that's going to slow you down. That increases your friction. Do not do that. And he would argue, he's like, well, this is what I did in high school or shit like that. And I'm like, you, that doesn't make sense. You have one of the best coaches in the entire world right next to you saying that's going to slow you down. So uh, I think we're circling back to our same argument about like trust. Like, you know, well, what's crazy is he did fix it and he got faster. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that you shouldn't trust the progress or trust the system or whatever, but like there's no guarantee that going to this team format or changing from your private gym to the team gym is going to make you better. Like that's, that's a, that's, I feel like that's a tough ask for a lot of individual fighters. Right. But you can't just say that, no, I'm not going to do that is what I'm saying. It has it just because it's it's not necessarily 100 percent going to help you. It doesn't mean it's going to hurt you, <laughs> but it might. But it, it might also help you because it gives you uh, the I other thing think... is if you have the same training system since you were a kid, then if you haven't felt filtered in new techniques, guess what? You you can only evolve a technique so far before you have to learn new shit. Right. And I, I, again, I'm I'm on point for this argument. I'm going to let you win it, win it. But <laughs> I, I also stand by what I'm saying as far as there's too many confounding variables and too many different aspects and details we don't have in front of us. Like, I agree with your general sentiment that 
change and what we just said like trust in a process or the next process can be a really good thing for sure but you know holistic change for the sake of change may not be the best thing if you consider consider all the variables you know like maybe i've got a really good thing when i with my one-on-one coach and my privates and i'm on a ufc title run and now because some asshole has the idea that he wants a team scoring system i have to switch over everything completely like, but you I don't guess. have to. You don't have to sign that contract. I feel like that. Yeah, sure. I don't want to get in the weeds more on this. <laughs> it's it's just we're just hypothesizing, going into different avenues, and you open in new wormholes that are best. Team sports, bro, always complicate things. Well, then there's a simplicity of you and me locked in a battle royale. All right, man. That's about all I got on this uh, this <laughs> Tuesday afternoon. I would uh, con- yeah, I'd concur. But that was a solid freestyle. All right. Sweet. Thanks, y'all, for listening. Visit buildingfighter.com. Contact us to see more of us. Bye.